Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You got Tommy and Randy here. Um, today, we're going to be going over lesson number two of our The Faith of Jesus study guide, and this is over God's mercy. We're going to start off with uh, reading the Ten Commandments. Uh, go ahead, Randy. Yeah, and before we read the commandments, I'd like to make a point. If anybody's listening to this, please tell me if you can change any one of these commandments and let us know on the line uh, down below. Uh, God, in John seventeen three, it says, uh, to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ as he has sent. Well, God has a law, and his son has a law. And if you can change any one of these, please let us know. Me and Tommy would be happy in the commentary. We'd like to know if God's changed anything. You know, Black Lives Matter, Tommy, has laws. Yep. And so does Antifa, right? Yes. And our government has laws. So wouldn't it be that God's government has laws too? Yes. Right. Okay. So when we read these to lead you to a Savior, that God has a moral character or law, and to know him, we've got to know what his laws are. Right, Tommy? Yes. Okay. So I'll start out. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down, thy, or bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Hmm. Honor thy father and thy mother, that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Amen. May God add a blessing. He already has had a blessing just to read those, Tommy. It'd be not, pretty nice if everybody would go by those. And uh, have them written on their mind and their heart out of love, Tommy. Uh, I notice that none of these, uh, you know, uh, 
it doesn't say that uh, if these are not enforced, they have to be out of love. Now, of course, the last six, our federal government, we know that murder's wrong, right? Yes. How about stealing? Yep. How about fornicating or uh, fornicating within the church uh, when you're married, Tommy? Yes. Hmm. We know that, you know, now we're asking, and I guess, Tommy, you would agree with this. We're asking out here, if you can change any of these and make them better, please let us know. We would be happy to under, to to try to learn that from the Bible, but we know that God does not change. So if you can make any of these laws better, put them in the comment section so we can see. Yeah, and Randy, you and I both know that the, these laws, they have tried to be changed by a uh, organization in Christianity, and we know they, they took out the second commandment, and they also took away the blessing out of the fifth commandment. They divided up the tenth commandment, and then they also changed the wording of the fourth commandment Instead of saying, uh, you know, that the Sabbath was the seventh day, it just said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that's it. Mm, very interesting. Uh, uh, of course, we did a presentation on that uh, from that insta institution. <clears throat> so when you say that they have their own law and they became their own God, small g, not uppercase g. Yes. Yes. So interesting study. You want to take the first and you want to take the first question, Tommy. And, and of course, we're, we started on justification by faith, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this is study number two, and this is over God's mercy. It said starts off, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Number one, what must we do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Matthew chapter seven, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. Note, what a deplorable condition. We must do the will of God or we cannot enter heaven. And yet the law has no righteousness for one of us. The law of God is perfect righteousness. But the law has not a principle of righteousness to bestow upon any man for all our sinners and are unable to comply with its requirements. No matter how diligently nor how zealously a man works, nothing that he can do will meet the full measure of the, land, the law's demands. It is too high for him to attain to. He cannot obtain righteousness by the law. By the deeds of the law shall there no flesh be justified or made righteous in his sight. Mm. Seems like the commandments are done away with there, Tommy, but they're not, are they? No. No, okay. Number two, the question is, how may the righteous that how may the righteousness that is necessary in order that one may enter that city be obtained? Luke chapter 8, verse 9 through 14 says, And he spake this parable unto a certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up in the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican or tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as the publican. I fast twice in the week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican tax collector standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went to his house justified rather than the other. Now tell me, how did this publican know that he was a sinner? The law. The law. So you, he had to have a law or he wouldn't have known what he was, right? Yeah, how can you know sin without the right. law? Righteousness and justified mean the same thing. Hmm. The answer that Jesus gives to the above question often shocks the person reading this lesson. 
The answer is what we need to ask God for mercy. When the tax collector asked God for mercy, Jesus tells us that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. God's cleansing mercy. How large is, is God's mercy to them that fear him? Psalms 103 verse 11. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Note, the measure that God treats us better than we deserve when we humbly come to him is a distance between earth and the highest heaven. And in what respect does he treat us better than we deserve? In taking, or taking our sins away from us. For the next verse says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Good point, good point. Okay, if we confess our sins, what is he faithful and just to do? First John chapter 1, verse 9. By the way, the first Johns talk more about the Antichrist than any other place in the Bible. So first John, second John, third John. So keep that in mind if you want to know who wants to be in place of Christ. So yes. tidbit. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Apostle John concurs, God is ever willing to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And how does he do that? Through his son, Jesus Christ. Yes, see, it, the Father created everything through his son, so the Father has to recreate us through his son. Amen. So, number five, what does God delight in? Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Note, who is like unto God? Not only does he pardon our iniquity, but he subdues it. This is very similar to the verse in the preceding question. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he forgave our sins and cleanses us from them. What a beautiful picture. We are not left to battle our own flesh alone, or our flesh alone. He cleanses our sins and subdues our iniquities. This paints a picture of God, or of a God who plays an active role in cleansing his people's sins. Tommy, I'd like to go back to how large is God's mercy in them that fear him. And fear him means to reverence, right? Yes. If the president, well, I don't know about an elected president, if he came to your house, you would want to have some respect, right, Tommy? Yes. You wouldn't want to disrespect him. Yes. You know, on there. But anyway, in Psalms 103.11, and you said something very uh, uh, thought-provoking here. It says, for as in heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercies towards them that fear him. Well, it's amazing in 14.7 here, and we have an angel's message here. It says, same with a loud voice. Notice a loud voice doesn't somebody that's, uh, hello, how are you doing? It's a loud voice, of course, saying, fear God, fear God, and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven, the earth, and the sea, and the fountains of waters. So this is the gospel. Just something to add in there. Okay, Tommy, I'm on number six? Yes. Okay. Justified by grace, how else could it be? How does God justify the sinner? Romans chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him that believeth in Jesus, his son, right? Yes. The Apostle Paul, having proved that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so that by the deeds of the law no flesh shall be justified in his sight, proceeds to say that we are justified or made righteous, just as if we've never sinned, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How else could it be? since the best efforts of a sinful man have not the least effect towards producing righteousness. It is evident that the only way it can come to him is as a gift. And you know, Tommy, it's amazing is that people want to change the law to have their own law. The only way to come to them is through their law, but it's not God's law. Yeah, they're, so they're trying to change the law so they can make themselves uh, justified and righteous whenever all you have to do is accept righteousness by faith freely as a gift and they've even changed the son the trinity does that yes and the only way to have righteousness through the son to the father is the father's righteousness right yes the literal son of god not the metaphorical son of god because the metaphorical son of god did not die for you are three gods yes number seven what type of gift does the righteousness of christ give unto justification romans chapter 5 verse 17 for if by one man's offense death reigned by one much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Note, it is because righteousness is a gift that, er, it is because righteousness is a gift that eternal life, which is the reward of righteousness, is the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. God, who is rich in mercy, and this is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, and who delights in it, puts his own righteous, righteousness on the sinner who believes in Jesus as a substitute for his sins. How is righteousness without the law manifested? Romans chapter 3 verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, notice it's God here. We're talking about the Father, right? Yes. Without the law is manifested. And how is this manifested? Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So when he's talking about the law and the prophets being witnessed, he's talking about the Old Testament. Even the righteousness of God, and how is it? Which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all upon them that believe, for there is no difference. So, Tommy, the question, which is it's, it's answered, was Jesus in the Old Testament? Yes, he was. Was he was the Son of God in the Old Testament? Yes. Yeah, they had righteousness, didn't they? Was it their own? No. Now, some did, yeah. of course, you know, but no. So the Old Testament gospel was preached, the gospel, the everlasting, that's why it says everlasting, was just as well in the Old Testament as in the New. Let the reader try to picture the scene. Here stands the laws, the swift witness against the sinner. It cannot change and it will not call a sinner a righteous man. The convicted sinner tries again and again to obtain righteousness from the law, but he resists all his advances. It cannot be bribed by any amount of penance or professed good deeds or money. But here stands Christ, full of grace as well as truth, calling the sinner to him. At last the sinner, weary of the vain struggle to get righteousness from the law, 
listens to the voice of Christ and flees to his outstretched arms. Hiding in Christ, he is covered with his righteousness. And now behold, he has obtained through faith in Christ that far which has been vainly striving. He has the righteousness which the law requires and is the genuine article because he obtained it from the source of righteousness. From the very place whence the law came and the law witnessed to the genuineness of this righteousness, it says that so long as man retains that he will go into court and defend him against all accusers. Who's an accuser of the brethren, Tommy? Satan. He will witness to the fact that he is a righteous man with the righteousness which is through faith in Christ. So where does my righteousness stand at, Tommy? Mine? No. Are in Christ. Christ's righteousness. The truly Son of God. Yes. To the Father. And whose righteousness did Jesus have? The Father's. The Father's. Yep. The righteousness which is of God by faith, that's in Philippians 3, 9. Paul was sure that he would stand secure in the day of Christ. Now, let me start with the first paragraph. God puts his righteousness upon us when we believe. Even the devils believe and tremble, right? Yes. But what don't they do? They don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. So how can they be righteous? They can't. So believe has more of a connotation than just verbal. Yes. Okay. He covers us with it so that our sins no more appear. Thank God for that. Then the forgiven one can exclaim with the prophet, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now, let me ask you, Tommy, will God's cloak known and unforgiven sins with his robe of righteousness? No. Why not? Yeah, wouldn't he have to let the devil and his angels back into heaven oh, yeah, if he yeah. would cover any known yes. and practicing sin, right? Yes. He would have to let the devil and his angels back into heaven. Isn't that what the war's about, God's character? Yes. Through his son, Jesus, amen. Thank God we have a chance. Mm-hmm. And and by the mm-hmm. way, Jesus is undefeated, Tom. Yep. I want to go with the winner. Yep. He's undefeated. So no matter how wretched you think you are, you know, or how that you can't come to Christ, you come to you as you are. He will change you because you can't. Number nine. How did the Apostle Paul obtain the righteousness which was not of the law? Philippians chapter three, verse nine. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Note, we do not obtain the righteousness of Christ by the law. We obtain it in, or we obtain in by faith. But what of the declaration that he will by no means clear the guilty? This is perfectly in keeping his long-suffering, abundant goodness and his passing by the transgression of his people. It is true that God will by no means clear the guilty. He could not do that and still be a just God. But he does something which is far better. He removes the guilt so that one formerly guilty does not need to be cleared. He is justified and counted as though he has never he never had sinned. Let no one cavil over the expression putting on righteousness, on or as though such a thing were hypocrisy. Some, with a lack of appreciation of the value of the gift of righteousness, have said that they do not want righteousness that was put on by faith, but that they wanted only that righteousness which comes from their own life thus depreciating the gift of righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. Well, good point. You know, Tommy, I was thinking about Noah. 
You know what I mean? When we talk about righteousness, did Noah believe in Jesus as the Son of God? Yeah, because the Bible said he preached righteousness. So in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So grace is not a new uh, New Testament theology. No. No. And it says, and these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. Justified? Yes. So justification is not new. The just man and perfect in his generation. Now, I like that he was perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Now, what happened to the individuals that were saved by grace but didn't want to look at the law of God in their mind and their hearts in the antediluvian period? What happened to them? They were taken away in the flood. Yeah, right. They didn't disappear right off no. the earth and, and all that. And, you know, so they they died. Yes. But were they given grace for how long? All right. 120 years when yes. he preached that message. So there was a time limit of that grace in that antediluvian time period, right? There was a, a t we're not time setting, but there was a time limit. Just interesting. So justification and sanctification are in the Old Testament just as well as the New, but the belief had to be in the Son of God. Yes. To the Father. All right. We're number nine, right, Tom? Ten. Ten. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? What what did God cause to pass from Joshua? Zechariah 3, verse 1. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now, Joshua, clothed with what kind of garments, Tommy? Filthy. Filthy garments stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away thy filthy garments from him. And unto him said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. Now, who has the power to take away the raiment and to clothe you? And who is this angel? That'd be Jesus. It had to be Jesus. There's no angel that has that power except for the Son of God or the Father, right? But that can be no other person but the Son of God. No. He's the only one that has that power. Yes. So this is Old Testament. Yes. Was he saved by grace? Yes, he was. Did he earn his righteousness? Yes, he did. He had faith in who? Yeah, the Son of God. The Son of God. Okay. So let them set a fair miter upon his head. So they set a fair miter upon... And who is... Then I'm going to go back. I want to stop here for a minute. Who only has the power to deal with Lucifer, Satan, face first? Uh, the Father and the Son. That's right. Jesus. Don't you try to. Jesus has defeated him. Amen. So he set a fire miter upon his head. So they, they, so they set a fair miter upon his head and clothed him, and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord. Okay, the Lord all four it has all four caps. So that's the Father. So the angel of the Lord. You'll notice that anytime it says angel of the Lord, it's talking about Jesus. And he only there's no angel that has the power to do this. No. In the Bible in heaven, none except the Son of God. Yes. In the above account, the taking away of the filthy garments is the same as causing the iniquity to pass from the person. So we find that when Christ, now, good point, covers us with the robe of his own righteousness, his own righteousness, 
He does not furnish a cloak for sin, but takes the sin away. And this shows about that forgiveness of sin is something more than a mere form, something more than a mere entry into the books of record in heaven, to the effect that sin has been canceled. The forgiveness of sin is a reality, and it is something tangible, something that vitally affects the individual. It actually clears him from guilt, and as he is cleared from guilt, he is justified, made righteous, and he has certainly undergone a radical change. He is indeed another person. Good point, another person. For he obtained this righteousness for the remission of sins in Christ. It was obtained only by putting on Christ's robe of righteousness. Why do we have to put on Christ's robe of righteousness? Why do we have our own robe? Why do we have to have Christ? The reason why is that Christ never sinned even in thought. He never sinned. Now, he was tempted in all points like we are. He never sinned in thought. Uh, any of our viewers out there to listening, have you sinned? Yes, all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Do we continue? That's why we need a Savior. It's his righteousness, not yours. Matter of fact, the, par uh, the parable are coming to the wedding feast. What happened to the individual paraphrase that ha didn't have a wedding garment on? He was invited to the wedding. What happened? Yeah, they, they couldn't get in. And what wedding garment did he have on? He thought he had entrance. Mm -hmm. It was his own yeah, he righteousness. Had, um, yeah. It wasn't Christ's righteousness. Okay, Tom. Uh, number 11, born again, a child of God. What do we become when we put on Christ? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Note, forgiveness of sins carries with it that wonderful, miraculous change known as the new birth. The new heart is a heart that loves righteousness and hates sin. It is a heart of willingness to be led into the paths of righteousness. It is such a heart as the Lord wished Israel to have when he said, Oh, that there were such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 29. In short, it is a heart free from the love of sin as well as from the guilt of sin. But what makes a man sincerely desire the forgiveness of his sins? It is simply his hatred of them and his desire for righteousness, which hatred and desire have been enkindled by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit we know is the Spirit of the Father and the Son, not a third being. Not a third being. Uh, you might have great light and know Hebrew and Greek, uh, know your Bible and graduated with a Ph.D., but that might not be the Spirit of Christ. No. Amen. Just a thought there for our scholars out there. Amen. Yeah. Love you. Twelve. What does justification by faith give us with God the Father? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace through God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No, the righteousness of God is given unto, into, unto and put upon everyone that believeth. Romans chapter 3 verse 22. But this same exercise of faith makes the person a child of God. For says the apostle Paul again, ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.26. I think people get tired of us emphasizing that Jesus is truly the Son of God, but Paul talked about it more than we do. Yes. More than most churches talk, our religions talk about that today. Behold, what manner the love of the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Notice, we're called the sons of God. 
smallest. Right, but we're not begotten sons of, there's only one begotten. Yes, we're Amen. adopted. We're adopted. So in 1 John 3, 1, everyone upon whom this honor has bestowed will purify himself even as he is pure. God does not adopt us as his children because we are good, but in order that he may make us righteous or good through his son. Yes. Number 13, how do we become children of God? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Note, this shows that there is no ground for the idea that a person must attain to a certain degree of holiness before God will accept him as his child. He receives us just as we are. It is not for our goodness that he loves us, but because of our need. He receives us, not for the sake of anything that he sees in us, but for his own sake and for what he knows that his divine power can make of us. It is only when we realize the wonderful exaltation of holiness of God and the fact that he comes to us in our sinful and degraded condition to adopt us into his family, that we can appreciate the force of the apostles' exclamation, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. First John chapter 3, verse 1. Everyone upon whom this honor has been bestowed will purify himself, even as he is pure. There's something I'd like to, not. I don't think to add, but there's something that I always on Scripture, uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, after uh, Adam had sinned, uh, it wasn't Eve that cast sin upon all mankind, it was Adam the first Adam. Jesus is our second Adam. But anyway, in verse 9, it said, And the Lord God called unto Adam. Notice he's not meeting him face to face. He had to call upon him. And he said unto him, Where art thou? Now, do you think God knew where Adam was at? Yes. Who didn't know where he was at? Adam. Yes. Who doesn't know where he's at? That could be Randy. That could be Tommy. He's calling you to say, come back to me. Where are you, John, Paul, Jeff, James, whatever, Mary? Come back to him. He's asking you, where are you at? He knows where you're at. And he's calling you back to his son, Jesus Christ. Go ahead, Tom. And another thing about Adam and Eve, and I like that you brought that up, because <clears throat> you get here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. First Adam was formed, and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So the woman was deceived, but Adam chose to go against God. So the woman was tricked, but Adam sinned into the world whenever he knowingly sinned. Not when, when because Adam was not deceived. So he, he knew the truth, and he still rebelled against God. And Tommy, spiritually uh, speaking, you know, on that aspect, you know, mm -hmm. on there too, a woman represents church or a, a religion. I don't want to use church because church are called out ones. Yeah. That's not a, a building. It means called out ones. The cl a club. And how did Satan work? Who did he work through first? The woman. And what did the woman do? What did she work through? Uh, she, she brought down the man. So there was a church-state combination there that lacked trust of God and his son that made the man fall because his love was so great for the woman, he didn't think God could correct that? Yep. And uh, Eve, she was deceived because she started to doubt the word of God. Because God said, in the day you eat, you'll die. And Satan said, you won't surely die. So Satan got the woman to start doubting the word of God. 
And you see these churches today doubting the word of God. And you could show, look, the Bible says several times he is the son of God. Well, um, he is, but he's not the literal son of God. I mean, so then they're just changing scripture just as the devil did. So uh, don't get in love with your religions because that's not going to save you. There's only one person that's going to save you, and that's Jesus Christ. And by the way, the only thing you're going to take is your character, and that character must be in Christ. My character must be in Christ Jesus. Your uh, Jesus won't ask you what church denomination you belong to. No. That will not be the question. No. You know, uh, here's something too. Revel, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, talking about Christ in the Old Testament. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away with in Christ. In other words, they were blinded not seeing Christ in the Old Testament. Yes. And it was taken away with by Christ. Notice, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen? Yes. You know, and... and Another thing, Randy, a lot of people think that just because you say God and Jesus, they, they assume that they have the right God and the right Jesus. And if Jesus had a Facebook and you typed in Jesus Christ, I'm sure a lot of Jesus Christ would pop up. Well, how do you know you got the right one? And, uh, I mean, you'd have to start going through, looking at some about sections and check out where they came from, maybe their birthday, uh, where they live at now. So if to, to have the right Jesus, you have the literal son of God who was begotten before creation. And he came to earth as a man to die for our sins. And now he is in the sanctuary above atoning for our sins that believe in him. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, <clears throat> therefore, verse one, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we've received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by the manifestations of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, Tommy, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God, notice there's a God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine up unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, and not of me and you, Tommy. Yeah, and I'm, this will be the last one for me, but Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you have received another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might as well bear with him. Uh, well, we're hitting the Second Corinthians chapter 5. I want to give one more. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who's that he? God made Jesus to be sin for us, yep. our begotten, who knew no sin, that he might be made the righteousness of God in him. Boy, that's a lot of mercy and a lot of grace. Amen, Tommy. Praise you, Jesus. Praise your Father. All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you for tuning in. The next study is going to be over 
acceptance with God. Thank you. Take care and God bless.